Today on the Matt Wall Show, after overcoming the coronavirus, Trump tells Americans not to be afraid of the virus and not to let it dominate our lives. The media doesn't like this message very much, but it's it's exactly what people need to hear, I think. And my own personal recent experience proves it. I'll explain why. Also, five headlines, including more stunning revelations from the Melania tapes, only they aren't the sort of revelations that the left wants. And in our daily cancellation, we'll talk about the not at all shocking conclusion to the Althea Bernstein alleged hate crime case. That's a case that we've been following on this show. It has come to a conclusion. You're never going to guess. Um, we'll talk about all of that on the way and much more. But first, you know, I've been telling you about our friends at Rock Auto for a long time, and, and for good reason. Everyone has car-related expenses that pop up. Everyone is looking for the easiest and most affordable options to deal with that, and rockauto.com is that option, I'm telling you. You just have to give it a try. Rockauto.com is always going to be so much easier and ultimately faster than walking into a store. You know, you have someone demanding quick answers to questions about your car. You might not know the answers to the questions. And they usually, they just have to order the part online anyway because there are so many types of cars, it's impossible to keep them all stocked. You have access to rockauto.com at your desk, in your pocket, uh, which means in a certain sense, you can fit more parts, auto parts in your pocket than the store can in the whole building because you got your phone there. Rockauto.com offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices uh, based on you know what they think they can charge you. Uh, go to rockauto.com, the shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com, cannot stress this enough, are always reliably low, and they're the same no matter if you're a professional or do-it-yourselfer. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? There's no reason to. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and easy to, to navigate. You could quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck, and you could choose the brand, specifications, whatever you want that you prefer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, go to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, and remember to write Walsh in there. How did you hear about us, box, so that they know that uh, we sent you? Okay, well, Donald Trump uh, returned from the hospital after three days being treated for the coronavirus. I don't know if you heard about that, by the way. Donald Trump uh, had the coronavirus, sort of a, a fringe news event, modestly reported. In any case, he returned, and from the reaction on the part of the left-wing media, you'd almost think that they were, I don't know, upset that the President of the United States recovered from his illness. There certainly wasn't much in the way of relief, um, much less celebration upon his return. Instead, there was a lot, of, a lot of stuff like this. This is from Chris Cuomo on CNN, very angry that Trump appeared on the balcony after returning home to wave to the crowd. Here's what Cuomo had to say. He didn't just walk into the White House one time with no masks tonight. He had his video crew capture that stupid scene again so he could put out propaganda, fronting a lie to his people once again, just like don't worry about the mask. Now he says, don't worry about COVID. Don't let it control your life. It's just propaganda. That's all it is. I know this sound to it. I'm not going to play it for you. Why should I? How much bullshit do you need in your life? Now, this, of course, is coming from the guy who had COVID himself and claimed he was quarantined in his basement, but was apparently gallivanting around town. Cuomo is you know, worried about propaganda and, and lies and BS, as he eloquently puts it. But he's also the person who staged his own reemergence from quarantine, filmed it for TV, even though he'd already been out of quarantine, apparently. And as a side note to that, the funniest thing about that stunt from Cuomo, if you remember that video was the, the visible ambivalence from his wife and children 
about the fact that dad had escaped from the basement. They didn't seem very happy to have him up there. Maybe they were ambivalent more about the phony pageantry than anything else, but still, uh, it was pretty funny. So that, that's Cuomo. That's what he has to say. Uh, the media reaction, though, got a lot more unhinged than that. And we're not going to waste time showing a million examples. You can kind of imagine just one more. This is from Maureen Dowd. She says, uh, when Trump walked through the doors, Walter Reed had a stellar reputation. That's the hospital Trump was being treated at. As he walks out 20, 72 hours later, its reputation is in tatters. There's nothing Trump can't ruin, she says. Its reputation is in tatters because it successfully treated the president of the United States and got him on his way and back home in three days. That's going to ruin their reputation. Jennifer Rubin, a professional insane person, now wants Walter Reed to be defunded, she says. Defunded for committing the crime of helping the president not die from the coronavirus. As I said, it's almost as if these people are unhappy that Donald Trump recovered. You'd be forgiven for arriving at that conclusion is all I'm saying. Now, Trump himself had a message for the people uh, upon his return to the, the land of the living. And uh, I thought his message was better than what we're getting from the media. Here's what he had to say. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center. And it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders. And I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went, I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there. Be careful. We have the best medicines in the world, and it all happened very shortly, and they're all getting approved, and the vaccines are coming momentarily. Thank you very much. And Walter Reed, what a group of people. Thank you very much. Now, he reiterated this main point in a tweet saying, I'll be leaving the great Walter Reed Medical Center today at 6.30 p.m. feeling really good. Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. We have developed under the Trump administration some really great drugs and knowledge. I feel better than I did 20 years ago. Okay, so that, that, that's been his message. Don't be afraid. Don't let it dominate your life. Now, I'm not going to be the guy to sit here and tell you that the White House's response to Trump's COVID diagnosis has been brilliant or even vaguely competent or coherent even. But this messaging right here, okay, these two sentences are absolutely what Trump should be saying and what all of our leaders, if they actually care about leading, should be saying. Don't be afraid. Don't let it dominate your life. Live your life. Live like a normal human being. Maintain your dignity and your sanity or reclaim them if you've already forfeited them. This is the message that Trump should carry into the election. Don't be afraid. We used to, we used to want our leaders to say stuff like that. Don't be afraid. This is a message that is especially necessary now as states like New York contemplate going back into lockdown mode, though they never really left lockdown mode in the first place. Yesterday, Governor Cuomo of New York held a press conference where he specifically threatened to close down religious institutions 
if they don't bend to his will. Listen to this. If we're going to keep religious institutions open, it can only be with two conditions. One, the community must agree, whether it's the Jewish community, whether we're talking about black churches, whether we're talking about Roman Catholic churches, the religious community has to agree to the rules. And they have to agree that they are going to follow the rules. And they have to agree that they are going to be a full partner in the enforcement of the rules. That's condition one. I'm going to meet with members of the ultra-Orthodox community tomorrow. I want to have that conversation directly myself. This cannot happen again. If you do not agree to enforce the rules, then we'll close the institutions down. Uh, I am prepared to do that. Cuomo, of course, continuing to operate on the premise that the First Amendment isn't a thing. The First Amendment doesn't exist. Or it does exist, but it's, it's automatically neutralized, null and void, whenever people are scared of getting sick. But, you know, as some of us have been arguing for months, that is not actually how the Constitution works. The unless people are scared of getting sick clause is not written anywhere in the document. And though I haven't checked, I'm assuming it wasn't written in invisible ink either. You know, maybe you need a special decoder ring or something that you find at the bottom of a Cracker Jack box to see it. But I tend to doubt that theory. You know, and this is made all the more unconstitutional, blatantly, absurdly unconstitutional, when you consider that religious institutions are being specially targeted as mass gatherings while the mass gatherings of BLM supporters are ignored or even encouraged by these very same leaders. Uh, you know, we damn sure haven't heard Cuomo or any other Democrat governor threaten to close down BLM protests. Have you heard them say that? No. If they did, all the people cheering for the forcible shuttering of churches would suddenly discover a renewed love of the First Amendment. Of that, we can be sure. Now, why is this being tolerated? Well, because, because of fear. Trump is right. People are terrified. And fear is irrational. It is always irrational to some extent. In this case, a very great extent. We can see the evidence of irrational fear. You know, we could see it plain as day because people wear it on their faces. Even as the WHO announces, as it did this week, the World Health Organization, that 10% of the world's population may have already been infected by the virus, making the already low mortality rate much, much lower still. Even as this additional evidence emerges that the virus is not as deadly as we were first told, um, still, masks seem to be becoming only more common, not less. It's not that every person who wears a mask is scared. You know, I wear them when I go to the grocery store because they won't let me in the building unless I do, and I need groceries. But it seems many Americans are, are getting comfortable with them, you know, just wearing them all the time, often for no discernible reason. The polls do reflect this. A National Geographic poll released today finds that 92% of Americans say they wear a mask when they leave their home. 74% say they always do. Always wear a mask when they leave their home. Now, this poll is somewhat vague and leaves open some questions. You know, when they say they always wear masks when they leave their home, do they mean they put it on when they exit their front door and don't take it off until they walk back in it? So like in the car, walking on the sidewalk, etc., walking down their driveway, they wear masks for that too? I don't know. And how many of the 92% or the 
are doing this because they want to, and how many are forced to by local ordinances. We don't know exactly, but anecdotal evidence suggests that a certain significant portion of Americans do, in fact, by choice, eagerly and willingly wear a mask literally everywhere they go now. I have noticed this myself. In the last two weeks, I've taken my family to the beach and up into the mountains on different days. We've been doing a lot of driving, mainly because we, we need to get out of the house for showings and inspections and things as we prepare to, to make the move to Nashville. Uh, so we've been going all over the place. But I can report that in both places, on the beach and up in the mountains, 600 miles apart, I saw plenty of people wearing masks. And I just want to emphasize, so you understand, we were hiking on a mountain in the woods. And there were people in the woods hiking with surgical masks on. Who are they worried about infecting or getting infected by? The trees? A squirrel? Me? Well, I never came within 30 yards of these people. Like I said, the woods are a pretty big place. You can easily maintain a very comfortable distance from people. Coronavirus or not, that, you know, that's part of the whole point of going for a hike, right? To get some space, breathe the open air. Only these people, instead of breathing the mountain air or the ocean air, were breathing their own sweaty fumes. And this is supposed to be safer, healthier, more in keeping with the science? Let me ask you, what science tells us that you stand any significant risk of getting infected or infecting someone else while hiking on a trail in the woods, or sitting on the beach, or driving in your car by yourself, or walking down the sidewalk? Have there been any confirmed cases of anyone anywhere contracting the virus in any of those settings? I mean, of the millions of cases, hundreds of millions of cases, according to WHO, has there been one single confirmed case of someone contracting it when they're outside and just maybe walking by someone several feet away or even a couple of feet away? I'm not aware of any such confirmed case. And if it did happen, it's an extreme, extreme outlier. Now, you might respond that, sure, the chances of contracting or spreading COVID when you're going for a walk in the woods or doing any of these other activities is very, 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 very low, but it's not impossible. It could happen. Sure, it could happen. It could also happen that a tiny space rock flies out of the sky, hits you in the head, yet you don't wear a helmet everywhere, do you? It could happen that you trip and bash your knees on the ground, yet you don't wear knee pads everywhere. In fact, even before COVID, there were plenty of airborne illnesses that you could, you could have contracted. Could have maybe did contract, yet you never wore a mask before. So why now? And don't tell me that COVID is more dangerous than the flu or whatever else. It might be or might not be, depending on your demographic. But even if it is, the point is that before COVID, it's not that you took fewer precautions or wore the mask a little less often. It's that you did nothing at all and wore the mask not at all, ever. And now you wear it all the time and take a million precautions as opposed to zero. Something is out of balance here. Perspective has been completely lost. Now, why do I care? You know, why not just let people wear the mask all day if they want to? Wear them to bed, wear it in the shower. Why not let them do that? Well, well, they're free to do that. I'm not preventing them, nor do I seek to. But I care because it's irrational and embarrassing and undignified. And this is not the kind of society I want to live in. Let me show you one other thing, um, speaking of undignified, and, and, and we'll, then we'll get to the news. But here's a clip from a funeral service in the UK. It's a grieving widow mourning the loss of her husband. Her sons move in closer to comfort her, and then, and then watch what happens next. It's my privilege to have been asked to conduct our service today to celebrate the life of 
Alan Wright. I therefore offer you all a very warm welcome as we unite in love and friendship to... Now, let's put aside the fact that the, the, the fear of the coronavirus is largely out of balance and out of perspective, even if it wasn't. Even if the virus was as deadly as many people seem to think it is, what you just saw there would still be outrageous and wrong and disgraceful. I don't care if it had a mortality rate of 70%. Her sons move in to comfort her, and someone comes in to, to separate them and scold them, telling them to maintain social distance from their grieving mother. What we're watching here is the total forfeiture of basic dignity and decency and humanity. And forfeiting that because you're scared is not okay. It's never okay. It's cowardice. And it's a fool's bargain in the end anyway, because we're all going to die. We're all mortal. None of us will leave this life alive. No matter what happens, you, whoever is listening right now, you will almost certainly be dead in 70 years, at most, probably much sooner. Your body will decay in the ground. You will be eaten by worms. It will happen. And the thing that kills you will almost certainly not be the coronavirus, whatever it is, though, that does you in, ultimately. Uh, do you want to face that demise, a demise that was always inevitable, that was always going to happen, that you could never have escaped anyway, knowing that you lived your life in fear, that you lived without dignity in order to avoid this very moment that, is, that was always going to come anyway? Is that what you want? Is that what anyone wants? I don't think so. Like, this is not a call for us to throw caution to the wind or be reckless or suicidal. It's just a call for us to live our lives and have just a little bit of courage and a little bit of perspective and to let sons comfort their grieving mothers and parents go to work to feed their families and religious people go to their houses of worship to praise their God. And it's a call to take the mask off every once in a while and breathe the open air because one day you're not going to be able to anymore. So don't give up these small human joys before you have to. That's my point. Let's get to our five headlines. You know, it's difficult these days to find companies that offer a great service, but also uh, are, are, you know, in keeping with our values so that we can support a good cause and also a good company at the same time. It's difficult as conservatives to do that, especially as pro-lifers. You know, it could be very hard. But that's why I'm so grateful we have the pro-life phone company. That is Charity Mobile. Um, you know, Charity Mobile, 5% of your monthly plan goes to the pro-life, pro-family charity of your choice. So that means that you're, you know, you're just paying your, your phone bill, but you're also supporting a cause that's important to you. So it's not just, it's just not, it's not just the Charity Mobile is, is, is not objectionable. Like they're, they're not actively undermining um, our cause and the culture. It's that they're actively helping it, you know. Now, uh, new, there's, a lot, there's a lot of other great stuff about this company. New activations and eligible accounts get a free cell phone with free activation, free shipping. Um, there's no contracts. There's no termination fees. There's no risk with a 30-day guarantee. You also get that live customer service based in the USA. Uh, you get a lot of other benefits, too. You, 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 can, you can block the use of cellular data, picture messages, text messages on any and all lines in your account. Um, you get free usage alerts. You get a free app to monitor your usage. You can pay your bill and more. A lot of great benefits, a great service. In fact, I was, um, speaking of being up in the woods, I was, you know, we, we, were, we were up in the mountains. It's part of the country we go to a lot because uh, my wife's family's up there. And usually before I had Charity Mobile with my other phone, uh, I could never get reception up in that 
up, up there, and uh, and I was getting great reception even out in the woods. My wife wasn't necessarily so happy about that, but but you know, I, I thought it was great to get that good reception. You can help build a cu- culture of life in America while supporting a pro-life company. Uh, turn everyday living into effortless giving for the charity of your choice. You could call Charity Mobile. This is what I would recommend. Call them at one 474 3662 or chat with them online at charitymobile.com. All right. So I was a, I was away uh, when this big bombshell dropped. Big, big bombshell. The, the biggest bombshelliest bombshell of them all. But fortunately, you know, um, I could still weigh in because just last night there was another there was another bombshell related to this, another development. We'll talk about that in a second. I'm referring, of course, to uh, the Melania tapes. Melania Trump, the first lady, used to be friends with a vile wretch of a woman named Stephanie Winston Wolkoff. And I only call her that because I, I call her a, a vile wretch of a woman because she was secretly recording for a period of time, uh, secretly recording her friend. And, you know, I would say that secretly recording someone who cl- you claim to be your friend so that you can give the tapes to the media later, I think that qualifies you for the vile wretch camp, personally. Um, and uh, let, let's, so, so the, 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 the first tape that came out, this was last week. You probably heard the first one, but let's play it again anyway. This was the um, tape that was released a few days ago. Media is making a big deal of it, but here's what was said. They say I'm, I'm complicit. I'm the same like him. I support him. I don't no. say enough. I don't do enough. No. It's, where, it's, where I am... I put the, I'm working like a ass, my ass, I know. Christmas stuff that, you know, who gives a f- about Christmas stuff and decoration, but I need to do it, right? Yeah, but Correct? 100%, you have and no then, choice. And, okay, and then I do it, and I say that I'm working on Christmas, uh, planning for the Christmas, and they said, oh, what about the children, that they were separated? Give me a f- break. Don't. Where, where they were saying anything when Obama did that? I know. Do, do, I cannot go. I I was trying to get the the kid reunited with the mom. I, I, I didn't have a chance. Needs to go through the process and through the law. But here's my thing. Hear what you just said. But instead of that, if if you just your messaging, you you were so loved. You they were. would not do the story. We put it out. They would not. Do the story. I'm telling you. You would not believe it. They would not do the story because no, they don't. are not. They would not do the story because they they are they are against us because they are liberal media. Yeah, if I go to Fox, they will do the story. I don't want to go to Fox. So that tape is supposed to prove something. I don't know exactly. I don't know what they thought it proves. What it proves to me is that Melania is much nicer and more buttoned up um, than a lot of people are in private, including me. Okay, She was being recorded by a trusted confidant, and that's the worst thing they caught her saying? Was that? You know it has to be the worst. There are a lot of tapes out there, but they're going to lead with their, their the, the biggest one, the worst one. They're going to lead with that. And that's it. I, I can just tell you this. If a trusted confidant was recording me secretly for weeks on end, um, you would hear a lot worse than that. A lot worse, I can tell you. And that's the irony, is that both Trump and his wife have been secretly recorded by people they trusted. For Trump, it was Michael uh, Cohen. And somehow, they weren't caught saying anything horrible. They're actually, it would seem they are less offensive in their private lives 
than the average American. That was the surprising thing for, for, for me with, with the Trump tapes especially, is that he, he's actually, he's more outrageous in public than he is in private. Um, so what do you hear in that tape? Melania complains about the media, rightfully so, um, you know, because they, they refuse to cover the good things that she and her husband are doing. She's complaining about that. She complains about Christmas decorations. The left tried to make that into a, oh, she's waging a war on Christmas. Oh, please. Who, who doesn't complain about Christmas? Complaining about Christmas decorations is a time-honored American tradition. It's as American as, as blue jeans and drive throughs it's, it's the most American thing in the world. We, that's, this is what we do. We put up the, the Christmas decorations and we complain about them. We complain about them while we're putting them up. Anyone who ever grew up you know, watching their dad hang the Christmas lights outside, you can attest to this. All the colorful language that came out of your dad's mouth as he was trying to hang the Christmas lights. Um, and so that was the first thing. Uh, the worst thing she did was she complained about uh, Christmas decorations. Then last night, Another tape was dropped. This one is even at, this one's probably even more shockingly unshocking than the first. This is what she said. Listen. Uh, Annie Leibovitz shot the porn hooker, and she will be one of the issues September or October. What do you mean she, sh- she shot the porn hooker? Stormy. Yeah, and that's it. She refers to Stormy Daniels as a porn hooker, which she is. It's a pretty decent uh, description. And that's it. There's, no, there's really not much else to it than that. I, 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 gotta, I'm, I am really, really surprised. I, I just sort of assume. Can you imagine? Okay. What if there were Michelle tapes? What if Michelle Obama had been secretly recorded by her most trusted ally and friend in secret for, you know, for weeks? What kind of stuff do you think we'd hear? I'm thinking probably worse stuff than I don't want to hang the Christmas decorations. Um, all right. Here's another story that I missed last week that I have to circle back and, uh, and talk about. Reading from the website Discern, headline, Navy SEALs changes creed to be gender neutral, removes brotherhood, other gendered language. It says, uh, U.S. Navy SEALs and the Navy Special Warfare Combatant Craft crewmen have um, recently changed their ethos and creed to be gender neutral removing gendered words like brotherhood. According to Naval Special Warfare spokesman, uh, Lieutenant Commander Matthew Stroop, in an emailed statement to American Military News, one of the changes to the SEAL ethos is an altered sentence that says, common citizens with uncommon desire to succeed, instead of the original, a common man with uncommon desire to succeed. Uh, Then he goes on to explain, says, says, um, Naval Special Warfare continues to deliberately develop a culture of tactical and ethical excellence that reflects the nation we represent and that draws upon the talents of the all-volunteer force who who meet the standards of qualification as a SEAL. Blah, 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 et cetera, and so forth. Uh, Now, we we should also mention that Trump has come out against this and said that he wants to reverse it, thankfully. Whether it's reversed or not, though, the fact that the Navy SEALs are even considering doing gender-neutral language is lunacy. And let's start with the simple fact that no woman has ever been a Navy SEAL. No woman in history has ever been able to endure the physical demands to become a Navy SEAL. It's never happened. And not for lack of trying. So at a, at a minimum, maybe we should wait until a woman actually manages to become a SEAL before we consider changing the language for this hypothetical woman that doesn't even exist. Also, spokesman Stroop said, uh, said you know, this is part of the, the ethical ex- excellence. No, it's exactly the opposite. This is capitulation. 
It is surrender to the PC culture. It is precisely the opposite of what you want to see from the Navy SEALs. This is not ethical excellence. Oh yeah, we're caving. We're, we're caving to the demands of um, screeching purple-haired feminists because it's it's ethically excellent. It's the ethically excellent thing to do. No, you, you know you, you got to be able to withstand an assault from the feminists because these are the people that are out. The Navy SEALs are out in godforsaken corners of the of the of the world, going against the baddest of bad guys. So they should be able to withstand, uh, you know, an attack from gender studies majors. And they can, of course, the actual Navy SEALs can, but they're not the ones making these decisions. This is coming from bureaucrats who continue to do everything they can to ruin everything that's good about America. All right. uh, Number three, here's something extremely disturbing. The parents of one of the the kids who were killed in, in the Parkland shooting in 2018, they've teamed up with an activist group and come up with an AI version of their dead son so that he, the dead son, the the AI, could deliver an anti-gun message. Like I said, extremely disturbing. Here it is. I am Patricia Oliver, and this is my husband, Manuel. Two years ago, our beautiful son, Joaquin, was shot and killed at Parkland. Every day I think about him and what his last moments must have been like. Meanwhile, every day, nearly 100 more families lose someone they love to gun violence. Every single day, we keep telling people it doesn't have to be like this. They don't listen. So we found a way to bring back someone that no one will ignore. It's very hard for me to look at this. So please, please listen to what our son has to say. Yo, it's me, it's Guac. I've been gone for two years and nothing's changed, bro. People are still getting killed by guns. What is that? Everyone knows it, but they don't do anything. I'm tired of waiting for someone to fix it. The election in November is the first one I could have voted in but I'll never get to choose the kind of world I wanted to live in. So you've got to replace my vote. Okay, I can't watch any more of that. That, that, uh, I cannot fathom using my child like that. I can't fathom using my child for political messages, you know, even as my child is alive, uh, much less when they've died, tragically. And doing this, it's, it's... I, I, I'm not even going to continue. I think uh, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Number four, the UN, um, actually UN Women, that's the group because women need their own UN. It seems UN is the United Nations. Women apparently aren't part of nations, so they need their own UN, um, and that's where UN Women comes in. And it's good that UN Women exists because we need them for stuff like this. Here's the tweet from UN Women. Uh, it says, you can avoid being a mansplainer by asking yourself these questions. Did she indicate any desire to hear this information? Is it possible that she knows more about this topic than I do? Did I read the room before starting to speak? 
And then it offers a helpful explanation of mansplaining, or definition rather. Definition is the practice of a man explaining something to a woman in a way that shows he thinks he knows and understands more than she does. Like I said, this is good. Uh, mansplaining is certainly one of the great threats facing the world. You know, we used to think it was terrorism, nuclear holocaust, global conflict, war, disease, famine. No, it's none of that. Uh, it's mansplaining. A man might explain something to a woman, and the woman might get her feelings hurt by the explanation. And that's the problem. That is the real nuclear holocaust, if you will, uh, that, we, that we all face. Now, of course, you read these questions, and you think, okay, has any woman ever in her life asked herself any of those questions before speaking? Especially, did he indicate any desire to hear this information? I mean, you tell me, ladies. Have you ever asked yourself that question before saying something to a man? Has any wife, especially, ever in the history of marriage, asked herself that question before saying something to her husband? If wives did, 95% of marital communication would disappear overnight. So this is another example of feminists blaming men for something that women are certainly the primary culprits of. Feminists do this a lot. I've talked about it before. Um, but the whole idea that men are the ones talking too much, that's just, what is this, opposite day? It, it, it's it's, it's mind-boggling. I might as well claim that women are the main ones in a marriage guilty of clogging up the drains from their beard clippings. You know, that, that, that's primarily a woman problem. I might, it's, it's as absurd. And granted, you know, there might be some women with luscious beards who clog up drains. I'm not judging. I mean, good for you. If you are a woman with, with a beard like that, but statistically, this is probably more of a man problem, just as mansplaining, ironically, is actually more of a woman problem than it is a man thing. Okay, number five, finally, um, there was a rally over the weekend. I think this was in Miami, pro-Trump rally. And uh, anyway, here's what happened. Watch. Yes, uh, they were barking like dogs, just so you're not confused. Those were, if you're listening on the audio podcast, and you, that's so you had two leftist women, um, and they were wearing their masks. You know, they're being very, so very socially conscious in that way, wearing the masks. And they were at this protest, they were, I guess, counter-protesting by barking in the faces of the Trump supporters. And that was what you saw there. That was basically Twitter in real life. People say that Twitter isn't real life. No, that's, that's it. That's Twitter right there. That's what Twitter is. But really for me, the most perplexing thing about this when I watch a video like this is that there were two of them, you know, because what that tells me, you got two women barking. What that tells me is that either this was spontaneous and one of them started barking and the other one saw it and went, wow, that's a good idea. I think I'll do the same. Or they talked about it ahead of time and planned out, like they, they planned this to go there and bark like dogs. They had a conference and, and one of them said, hey, you know what we should do? We should go to this Trump protest and, uh, and no, listen to this, listen to this, bark like dogs. Yeah, bark in their faces. That's what we should do. And the other one said, I like it. I'm in. Let's do it. Either way, whatever, however that happened, however that developed, whatever the genesis was of that, 
Um, it's it fascinates me. I'm absolutely fascinated by it. And you know, there are many other words I could use besides fascinated, but we'll go with fascinated. All right, we're gonna get to our daily cancellation in just a second. But in case you didn't get enough politics last week, this Wednesday, October seventh, will be the vice presidential debate between Mike Pence and Kamala Harris, uh, and it's gonna be hosted by me. God help us all. For some reason. I'm just as confused as you are, but I'm the guy for this one. I'll be live reacting to the um, debate as part of a uh, live reacting. Well, it's good I'll be alive. What's it? It says live reacting as opposed to dead reacting. I mean, how else? If I'm reacting, I must be. I don't understand that. But anyway, I'll be reacting to the debate as part of a special edition of All Access Live. So members, uh, you know, you could join me Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Pacific at dailywire.com to live chat on the stream and in the comments. If you're not a part of the Daily Wire already, what the hell is wrong with you? You disgraceful scumbag. Join us now at All Access. Become an All Access member. Get 20% off with code DEBATE so you can watch all of our upcoming debate coverage live at dailywire.com, Apple TV, or the Roku app. And you can join us on uh, All Access Live every night for online live stream discussions. By the way, it, it did not say in my copy here to call you a disgraceful scumbag. I just, wanna, I just want to uh, uh, disclaimer. Don't blame Daily Wire. That was me. That's a little bit of ad-libbing. They tell me to ad-lib on these things, and then they regret it when they do, because that's what you get. This Wednesday, October 7th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, join us now and get 20% off your all-access membership with code DEBATE when you sign up today. All right. I think that went well. What do you think? Let's get to our daily cancellation. Okay. For day for our uh, daily cancellation today, a, a short one. I went a little bit long in the opening. had a lot to say there. So here's an update on a story that I've been following for months. A few others in media I've been following it too. Not, not very many others. Uh, this, is, this is one that the media wanted us to forget about as soon as it became obvious that the evidence wasn't forthcoming to support the claim. I refer to Althea Bernstein. She's the biracial woman who uh, claimed that she was attacked by flame-throwing racist white men in Madison, Wisconsin. The Daily Wire has the latest. Uh, we talked about you know earlier the inevitabilities of life. And well, here's another one. This, this was inevitable. Madison, Wisconsin police dropped an investigation into alleged hate crime against an 18-year-old biracial woman on Friday after finding little evidence to corroborate the woman's story. Althea Bernstein told police in June that she was attacked by a group of four white men while stopped at a, a light in Madison. Local police partnered with the FBI and U.S. District Attorney Scott Blader of the Western District of Wisconsin to investigate the case. So you've got, this is a federal and local investigation. They've all, they've come together to investigate this. The Madison Police Department closed its investigation on Friday after spending significant resources looking into Bernstein's claim. Investigators were not able to establish that the alleged attack ever occurred. Uh, this from the police. The police department said in a statement, after an exhaustive probe, detectives were unable to corroborate or locate evidence consistent with what was reported. Blader's office issued a similar statement saying that the case could not move forward for, quote, lack of evidence. Like I said, this is shocking, shocking stuff. Uh, it says in a statement, after a thorough investigation to the events of June 24th, 2020, including extensive interviews, exhaustive review of traffic and surveillance video, Expert review of digital and forensic evidence. Federal investigators determined that there is insufficient evidence to prove that a violation of any federal criminal statute occurred. That's the U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, that's what they said. Further, further, after reviewing all available evidence, authorities could not establish that the attack, as alleged by the complainant, had occurred. Accordingly, the federal investigation into this incident has been closed based on the lack of evidence. Now, 
This is very telling. Bernstein's family released a three-sentence statement through the police department thanking officials for their work. This is their statement. Althea Bernstein and her family appreciate the detailed investigative efforts by all involved in the case. Althea's injuries are healing, and the support of our community has been invaluable in that regard. We continue to maintain our family privacy and will not be granting interviews at this time. Okay. So you notice how the family, they're not calling for more investigation. They're not chastising the police for failing to apprehend the dangerous gang of neo-Nazis. A gang that, again, to, to remind you, according to Bernstein, accosted her at a stoplight, doused her with lighter fluid, and then set her face on fire. Now, this is the kind of thing that'd be very easy to prove if it did, if it did in fact happen. There are surveillance videos everywhere in the city. Like they said, they were checking the surveillance videos. She said it happened in the middle of the street at a stoplight. Chances are the attack itself would be on camera, but even if it wasn't, surely there would be footage of the white guys walking down the street holding the lighter fluid and lighter. Unless these dudes rappelled down from helicopters right into a specific spot where no cameras can, can, can see it, carried out the attack, and then used like grappling hooks like Batman to escape running across the rooftops, short of something like that, they would be on camera. Yet, no cameras noticed them. Nor did any witnesses apparently notice them. That's because it would appear they never existed. Uh, and it's rather easy to not be noticed when you don't exist. Now, it's, it's a common saying that absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. But actually, sometimes it is. And the absence of evidence of the torch-wielding racists is very, very compelling evidence of their absence. Yet, the police will not be charging Bernstein with a crime for filing a, filing a false police report, wasting law enforcement resources. The media outlets that promoted this claim will not print retractions or even acknowledge the latest development. And the BLM activists who use this case as evidence of the alleged scourge of white supremacy will not apologize or even give us so much as a, you know, a, a, oh, wait, never mind. Forget about that one. There will be no consequence of any kind for any of the people involved in promoting this story. A story that was obviously extremely, extremely dubious from the get-go. And all that means, of course, is that we're going to get more dubious stories, which is by design. So everyone involved here um, is, of course, rightfully, needfully canceled. That'll do it for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Thunderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. President Trump emerges from the hospital. The mainstream media try to paralyze you with fear. And President Trump gets a bump in the polls. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. <laughs>